Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two pieces of media, like a book or a movie or a TV show, and we cross it over with another book or movie TV show. Yeah. And we make them get yeah, along. Yeah, see what happens. Yeah, we see we, where this these worlds collide. Yeah, we say, hey, hey kids, go be friends. Yeah, or, a, or enemies. Oh, my God. It's a play date, yeah. except one might die. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is Crossover Appeal on the road. Yeah. We're on our national tour to, uh-huh. to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania uh-huh. for Thanksgiving uh-huh. with my family. After this episode, Thanksgiving, well, when you hear it, Thanksgiving will be over. That's but true. right now we are... T-minus uh, one day yeah. until Thanksgiving with my family. Yeah. Who are a very receptive audience. They well, like, they, they've listened. Yeah. And they like doing stuff like yeah. Thanksgiving with us. So yeah, so we're set up in my old bedroom right now, which yeah. has a bouncier sound to it. So get ready for a jaunty episode. Do, do, do. Yay. That's the theme song for my bedroom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk in and you're like, where's that sound coming from? Got it rigged up to a motion sensor. I was a very... Maybe it's the, the ghost of the maid who died here. That's true. That is... Back in the day. Yeah. When I was here in high school, we had an old man swing by our house and say, oh, I grew up here. Can I come look around? And we said, sure. And let him in because we were not aware we were in the beginning of a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And when he got up to my room, he said, oh, yeah, I remember this room. The maid died here. Yeah. So death room. And and he had been dead for 15 years. And he just disappeared. (laughs) But he left behind a a treasure chest full of gold. Yeah. Cursed gold. Yeah, He was a leprechaun ghost. Wow. They're big in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. Well, there were a lot of Irish steel milkers, steel workers. Really? I thought it was more of a Polish town. There were Polish leprechauns um, too. Pierogies. That's a big thing. Yeah, that's true. There are Polish leprechauns as well. No, the the leprechauns. The Polish people have leprechauns. I think that's uh, Swedish. Get me to the end of the rainbow. Oh, hello. Get a leprechauns in. Oh, hey there. Where's my, my fish? i sail on today. You got my pickled um, fish at the end of the rainbow. Ooh. They're not as great. Leprechauns, mm. you, you don't really want to hang out with them. I mean, I like pickled things, and I, I like pickles, and I like fish. That's true. They're they're a little more culinary masterful than yeah, leprechauns, which just boil whatever you give them. Yeah, including gold. <laughs> so, any speaking of nothing, we've just been speaking yeah. about. What are we mashing up today? Today we are mashing up How to Train Your Dragon and Snowpiercer. Ooh, which is not. It's the answer to the first question: How to Train Your Dragon, Snowpiercer. Yeah, get mm-hmm. a bunch of snow. <laughs> just, ride a train. Just poke it right through there. Success. <laughs> yeah, man, nailed it. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about How to Train Your Dragon? So um, How to Train Your Dragon is an animated film series. Um, it is actually originally a series of books, and there's like short films and a TV series about right. it, but I am specifically focusing on How to Train Your Dragon, the movie, and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Yeah, so adjust expectations accordingly. Yeah, and I, it's more just that I have not read the books or seen the TV show, but mm. I am very receptive too, because yeah. the movies are awesome. Right. Um, so it's an animated film series. The first movie came out in 2000. 2010, and the sequel came out in um, 2014. 
Um, the films follow uh, Hiccup, who is a young Viking growing up in a mythical Viking land that, at least in the first film, is always being attacked by dragons. Dragons oh, no. versus Vikings. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like that was just a log line that someone gave to the author of the book series and was like, do something yeah, with this. Right? I saw like, it in a dream. If you literally tell me it's about dragons versus Vikings, I'm like, yeah, I don't even care what else happens. Yeah, sold. Gimme. But then it's also awesome on top of that. Yeah. So um, Hiccup is more brain than brawn in a society that really values brawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like he was sort of set up for failure, though, being named Hiccup. I like, know, right? Like you're a little hiccup. Yeah, that's not like you're going to go like destroy a village. Val- Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. It's like, no, you're going to... We don't baby. have great expectations for you. Yeah, poor maybe, little hiccup. Maybe he was a tiny baby. Maybe he was. Well, you know, he's a little bitty guy, so Aww. maybe he was. Oh, little hiccup. Um, but he is constantly trying to prove himself as a dragon slayer. But mm. for him, that means inventing things. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work so well. True. And yeah. he's voiced by Jay Burathel. Yeah. yeah. Who um, does a great sort of nerdy Yeah. Who's little a, guy. The, the voice cast in general is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so early in the film, Hiccup befriends a Night Fury dragon whom he names Toothless. And they're the worst kind of dragon. Yeah. They're like fierce and fat, super fast. Yeah. It's um, right there in the title, you guys. Yeah. Night Fury. Like but, when a maid like dies really in rare. your room. Yeah. Right. She's a Night Fury. Oh, yeah, maybe she. Oh, what if she's a dragon? Oh, man. Dragon maid. Oh, man. Well, you know, dragons did spend a lot of time in the working classes being exploited by, Yeah, right? In the Victorian era, they were the ones stoking the fires. It's true. Because they were looked down upon for their Their skills. Skin skin disease. Everybody just thought it was, you know, I don't know, the the rumids or something. Yeah. Yeah. I have the the fire lung. He's got the itchies. Yeah. Um... But so Hiccup um, helps Toothless, who has kind of a, a disabled fin, so he can't really fly so well. So mm-hmm. he uses his brains to fix up prosthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, they become friends. Hiccup eventually helps prove to the Vikings that the dragons and the Vikings can coexist. Mm-hmm. End of the film, everybody's happy. Through a lot of adorable training montages. Adorable training montages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second film follows Hiccup, Toothless, and the Vikings and dragons as they... <laughs> Vikings and dragon Vikings friends. plus dragons instead of Vikings versus dragons. Um, uh-huh. They are fighting this kind of horde of dragon trappers and people who are using dragons to as an army, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find Hiccup's supposedly dead mother. Oh. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I have not actually seen no, the second it's one. it's so good. Yeah. Um, so not too many spoilers there, but they also find a giant master dragon named the Bewilder Beast who can control other... He's like <laughs> ginormous and he can control other dragons and has ice powers, which will be relevant later in this podcast. And he's part buffalo. Why? Bewilder Beast. Yeah. <laughs> he was... They're, they're different animals. Are they? Will there be Buffalo will there be and Buffalo? Oh, yeah. No, there's very different. Yeah. You, I think yeah. you. the reference you want to make is they killed Simba's father. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I had a lot of sympathy for them for being Not hunted now. to extinction by cowboys on trains. But now that I know that wildebeest and bison are different, which apparently I didn't before. I'm pretty sure they're different. Yeah, no, like, I mean, they're on different continents. Yeah, so. and like differently shaped and have like different and, horns. And different temperaments, apparently, because yeah. one killed Simba's father and one did yeah. not. It's so true. Oh, Mufasa. Aww. Hashtag never forget. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> uh, major characters in the How to Train Your Dragon series include Hiccup, um, Toothless, uh, Stoic the Vast, his dad and leader, Hiccup's dad and leader of the Vikings. Um, Astrid, who is the tough Viking girl who's like Hiccup's love interest. Um, She's Mm -hmm. kind of a badass, also voiced by America Ferreira, who's delightful. Indeed. I know, right? Um, 
Gaber, who's like the comic relief Viking mm-hmm. and French to all. Um, and Valka, who's uh, Hiccup's mom, who I believe is Kate Blanchett. Oh, yeah. And, and so I think Gobble, Gobber, Gobber? Gobber is, yes. jo- is Jonah Hill. No, he's one no. of the kid Vikings. And like Kristen Wiig is one of the kid Vikings. Oh, yeah. He's, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, he's like Scottish. Um, uh, he's somebody else. I'll find him. Um, Craig Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like this like really enjoyable, like Kit Harrington is someone in the second movie. Like mm-hmm. they just compile this really adorable voice cast who works oh. really well. Um, so some of the themes in the, uh, the movie series are accepting and appreciating differences, um, which ultimately make us stronger. Um, Hiccup isn't again, the ideal Viking, but his brains and kindness really save the day. Um, teamwork is a big theme as, Mm -hmm. you know, Hiccup and Toothless work together and then Hiccup's fellow young Vikings end up kind of rallying around him and, yeah. and they and they each get their, their own dragon they each get their own dragon which again like if you're a kid watching this movie that's yeah. awesome but it's also about like these kids who maybe weren't best friends with him to start with are now like on his team and how yeah. cool that is um and that uh sympathy is valuable and you can find common ground with people who you think are your enemies like mm-hmm. hiccup and toothless supposed to be mortal enemies but they learn to trust each other and save their respective dragging and viking um dragon and viking kinds mm-hmm. um Things I like and I think other people will like are dragons and Vikings. Like, <laughs> like you, you say QED. that and you're like, I want to watch this movie. Yeah. But I do really, I remember really appreciating in the first movie as well that they really make like a taxonomy of dragons. Oh, where yeah. Like like, there are different kinds and varieties yeah, of them. Yeah, with like, again, like Toothless is really fast and mm-hmm. he's like the sonic dragon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are other ones with that, like the two heads and yeah. like Belch Fire really good. <laughs> and there's like, originally there's different strategies for how to fight yeah, each one as a Viking. But then, but then different strategies for how to like, almost if you have different kinds of dogs or horses, like mm-hmm. what works best and what they're really good at. Exactly. You have your herding dragons. Yeah. You have your water retriever dragons. Yes, exactly. You the, la- the, the lap dragons. Yeah, your lap dragons. Your little purse dragons. The, the toy dragons. <laughs> oh, the toy, the toy group. Oh, oh my God. I really want to see, we should have mixed How to Train Your Dragon with um, Best in Show. Oh my God, that would have been so good. Right? I want to see the dragon That's like the, show. the shadow episode with yes. How to Train Your Dragon. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, other things I like are just, it's a really adorable, heartwarming series about family and trust and differences and support. Um, and that like, I literally cried watching the second movie and it, part of it was because I was dealing with food poisoning at yeah, the time. There were extenuating circumstances. There were extenuating circumstances. But then I like, I told other people, like I cried watching how to train your dragon too. And they were like, no, I did too. Okay, good. So like, it's surprisingly a moving series for mm. like stuff that again is about dragons versus vikings yeah. especially if you have food poisoning on the same weekend that your pipes freeze and, and it's, it's your, your birthday, birthday. worst be- weekend ever hey and he's birthday 2015 yeah no 2016 2016 oh 2016 no, 2016 you garbage fire you i know what a just cruelty month um, year not, everything not garbage fire is another uh, thing i like about the um, how to train your dragon series is that um, both toothless and hiccup end up or are um, as uh, physically disabled in some way mm-hmm. and they end up using both using prosthetics and the movie like doesn't give them like a magical cure it's not like the dragon breathes it's magic dragon fire and you have your leg again it's right. like no you just you have a prosthetic that you use and it doesn't hold you back yeah. but you know you still have to d- know okay what 
what things you need to compensate for when. And I think that's great for kids who are watching this and maybe have a prosthetic limb. Yeah. And um, it's it's a really great, I think, especially for an animated movie, it's a great way to show the stakes and the cost of heroic actions without yeah. like killing your protagonist. Right. Like, he is like hiccups. I mean, spoiler alert, he winds up with this prosthetic from a big heroic action. And, you know, you don't, it's almost a big enough risk and moment that you don't want him to come away full and totally healthy and fine like there needs to be a cost for yeah, it but, and then but, but then it's, it's still never something that is totally dealable and yeah. so yeah. that then complicates it and deepens the themes. and it doesn't make this big moment out of it like oh right. my god he lost his leg how right. awful it's just like he gets out of bed and has a prosthetic like yeah it's something he needs to learn to to use and work with but mm-hmm. He's still riding his dragon, who also has a prosthetic. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really well handled, and they use it as an opportunity to, again, sort of deepen the themes and continue a story in an even richer way. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like, highly recommended, adorable movie series that you might actually need a box of tissues for. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have food poisoning. Yeah, like, but like 90% of the feels were real. Yeah. And then 10% were just, oh, dear God, I hate this weekend. Right. So, if you ever feel like that shrimp you had is going south, Queue up Netflix. Yeah, because the dragons will be there for you oh, when you need them. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so that is How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yay. Makes me want to watch the second movie. Yeah, it's real good. We yeah. can watch it sometime. Yay. Um, something that we already watched together yes. is Snowpiercer. Which also might be getting not not a sequel exactly, but, but a TV a series. series. Yeah. yeah, they may be uh, TNT, I think, just picked up a pilot, which is kind of fascinating because it is a pretty contained film in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, oh, totally. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, Snowpiercer is a movie that Danny and I have both seen but feel a little differently about. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it quite a bit, and he's not not quite as sold. I feel like there are a lot of things about it that did not hang together for me. Mm-hmm. And in a in a dystopian movie, I feel like I really need things to hang together in some yeah. semblance of reality. But I think that something that definitely makes it firmly of a piece with the other things that we talk about on this show is there is a lot of fertile ground to build stories yeah, off of. Yeah, like this and is a real fanfic world. Yeah, there's a lot of archetype, a lot of, like I said, a, either and, narrative economy or cut corners, depending on how you want to yeah. look at it. And the aesthetics are great. Yeah. Like this, they made a complete, awesome, engaging world out of it. Yeah. That maybe fans could complete. Right. You either, it either hangs together for you or it doesn't. Yeah. For me, I very much enjoyed it, but I should talk a little bit more about what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is a 2013 science fiction action thriller post-apocalyptic fever dream of a movie. Uh, it's directed by Korean director Bong Joon-ho, who uh, also directed The Host, which we had recommended earlier on an earlier episode, and also had a Korean film called Mother, uh, which for a long time I confused with Mama, which was the Jessica Chastain ghost movie about mm. uh, an undead mother. Not that movie. Mother is a South Korean drama, um, which is apparently great. I have not seen that one. Um, But Snowpiercer was uh, director Bong, as everyone refers to him, who works with him. Uh, It was his first English language film. Uh, Most of it, I think 70% of the film was actually filmed in English rather than being filmed in Korean and then translated. Uh, So this was a big step into the American market for him. And he has an English-speaking cast. Yeah, largely English-speaking and then some Korean actors and cast as well, including uh, one Korean actor who has worked with him on almost all of his other films as well. Um, Was it the, the guy... The yeah, the and I security think his daughter expert. had 
I believe so. Well. I think she had yeah. been in the host as well. Um, so yeah, the uh, film is based off of a French graphic novel called Le Transpersonnage by Jacques Loeb. Um, although it's really its own story entirely. It basically takes the essential premise and then creates a new story around it. Um, the movie is set in a future world where an attempt to essentially uh, geoengineer the Earth to prevent global warming has gone very, very wrong and resulted in a worldwide ice age in which you all life has been destroyed. You job, scientists. You know, they said drop the temperature. Yeah. They didn't say how far. Um, <laughs> they've essentially injected a chemical into the atmosphere that will stop global warming, but it instead ends up blocking out the sun. Whoops. Um, they would be fired, but they all die instead. Um, so this is set uh, years after that event when the entire remainder of humanity is surviving on this kind of revolutionary train, uh, very technologically advanced, called the Snowpiercer, uh, which was built before the uh, ecological collapse. It has essentially a perpetual motion engine and a track that spans the entire globe. And so all of humanity is surviving on this train and it keeps circumnavigating the globe because if it ever stops, it will freeze in place and everyone will die. Um, the societal structure within the train is incredibly stratified, um, basically on a caste system. Uh, poor people are in the back cars, living in terrible lives, in terrible conditions, eating gelatinous protein bars made out of bugs. Um, and rich people, the upper class, live in the forward cars, where as we learn as the movie goes on, they have access to all sorts of ridiculous luxury, including a train car full of hot tubs and a train <laughs> rave car train with a car. rave dance party and a big aquarium car and this sort of massive life of luxury. So from moment one, the movie is incredibly allegorical. Yeah. Um, it's very clear, like poor people in the back, rich people in the front, we're telling a metaphor. But throughout the course of the movie, um, the plot of it is Chris Evans uh, plays a member of the poor group in the last car who essentially leads a rebellion to try to capture the front car of the train, the engine car, because that way they will wrest control from those in charge. Uh, and so they begin a revolution that moves car by car up through this train. And as it progresses, the movie sort of goes from a very dark, grim, gritty, but somewhat real feeling kind of uh, post-apocalyptic setup to really just a fever dream as they move from car to car and things get wackier and yeah. crazier and bigger and weirder. And this is where Andy started to yeah. get lost. I feel like as it goes on, I'm like, wait a minute, let's no. Why? Why? <laughs> what? Why? The film also gets gradually bleaker and bleaker as it starts to complicate this idea of revolution as a solution to the societal order. People start dropping off. You're losing people one by one. Um, and it becomes a kind of death march through this train uh, anchored by Chris Evans and the other characters. Um, some other characters. Uh, Chris uh, Chris, Evett play, or Chris Evans plays Curtis Everett because I guess they figured people would get confused if the character's initials didn't match the actor's initials. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know what to call him when he's in that movie where he wears the red, white, and blue. Well, yeah. No, that's... Uh, that's it's it's Keeve A. Rogers. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a porn spoof name, or like the um, the fantasy novel version. <laughs> He's Captain E. A. America. Yeah, there it is. There you go. So yeah, I guess it's in his contract or something. Um, <laughs> But he is someone who was alive when the world kind of ended and so, but was very young and remembers uh, the movement onto the train. And he's sort of your classic 
gritty, reluctant leader type, uh, strong and silent, who has a past that gets revealed over the course of the film. I think he does a very nice job with it. Yeah, Chris he, Evans is great. Yeah, he like, has all to the say actors some, in the movie are phenomenal. He has to say some very challenging lines. He really works um, it, though. And sell them. Um, yeah. Uh, and he, he brings it across. And, and you know, he's Chris Evans, so you're always kind of pulling for him. He provides a lot yeah. of warmth and heart to this role. Um, he is advised by Gilliam, who's played by John Hurt, uh, who's sort of the elder grizzled leader of the poor people on the back of the train he's missing some limbs which you find out about later in the in the movie um and he's basically john hurt i mean he's your he's telling you wands yeah he's Um. exactly he's your he's your pseudo spiritual mysterious leader type yeah um and he's great um they, as a key part of this revolution, they free Namgun Minsu, who is uh, played by Song Kang-ho, who's the actor who has worked uh, a lot with this director in the past. Um, and he is the designer of the train's security systems, who is now kept in a sort of stasis um, in uh, like prison. Uh, and they free him in order so that he can help them open the doors to each car as they go. And he brings along his daughter, Yona, uh, who's played by Ko Asung. Uh, and she is sort of clairvoyant essentially it's not particularly explained why but she can see into the cars yeah. before they go into them and so can sort of help this is where things start to get a little yeah. bit fuzzy but mm. hey why not um uh, both of those two are addicted to a hallucinogen called chronol uh that is kind of a waste product made by the show by the train uh, and so they spend the whole movie uh being bribed with and then collecting it as they mm. go uh for reasons that become clear um their main antagonist is minister mason who's played by tilda swinton just having the time of her life tilda swinton's um, a delight yeah she plays just your perfect sort of bureaucratic bad guy um Cower, cowardly and but also secure in her power um, and, and and cruel and yeah, selfish and, exactly and like and like just that like if you had like some crossover between Dolores Umbridge and yeah. like like the weird teacher at your high school mm-hmm. who everyone hated like that's that's who this would be yeah she's channeling the performance really well uh it's a great great and, performance she's one of the best parts of the film yeah for sure. um and um, i think really gets that kind of broad allegorical yeah sense of the movie yeah where she's playing into the style very well mm-hmm. um and then there's a whole ragtag ensemble of ragamuffins um you've got edgar who's the second in command who you find, who looks up to chris evans's character he's played by jamie bell um and you find out that they have sort of a past uh tanya who's played by octavia spencer who is a mother whose child is taken at the beginning of the movie um a lot of the poor children occasionally are just kind of culled from the back of the train and we don't know where they're taken so she's looking for her son um and she just gets to be a total badass as well um, um, Andrew, who's played by Ewan Bremnar, is another parent who also, because he's part of a protest earlier, gets his arm frozen off as punishment. Um, oh, there's a yeah. lot of missing limbs. So prosthesis is a part, is a, uh, a combining narrative in, across these two movies. Um, and then there's, you know, the guy who has knives and is really acrobatic and is great. There's um, Franco the Elder, who's just sort of your classic unkillable henchman. Mm. Um, even Allison Pill, who's just a delight, pops up as a teacher in one of the rich cars uh, with a surprise. Um, and, so yeah, like you know, she's another person who I'm like, I just love you. And you get the yeah. tone of this movie real well. Yeah, so it's a movie that these amazing and great performances kind of come and go throughout because it's such a, a, a forward momentum driving sort of film. They're moving through these moments in time and uh, encountering obstacles 
obstacles, clearing obstacles, encountering another obstacle, clearing another obstacle, and making their way towards the end. And then, I mean, spoiler alert, they're trying to get their way up to the front of the car to uh, confront Wilford, who is the builder of the train, and they finally do make it to the engine. He's played by Ed Harris, who's just Ed Harrising it up. Yeah. He's like in a robe and being total banality Having of evil. beautiful blue eyes. Yeah, just piercingly He is looking. Thomas the Tank Engine of the dystopian world. Yeah, and you know what? He may be the bad guy, but he sure makes the trains run on time. Much like other bad guys. Huh? In actual huh? history. But yeah, huh? Right. Huh? Actual train building. No, I'm, I'm giving them time to laugh. Is it? Yeah, they're doubled over. Now I think they're catching their breath. Uh-huh. One more beat. Yeah. Trains run on time, huh? See one last chuckle. No. And now we're moving on. Yeah. Much like a train should because now they're late. <laughs> now we're behind schedule. Uh, this is not a fascist regime on this podcast. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the real reason to watch this film is the visual styling of it. Um, the, this director is one who everyone who has worked with him, there's almost a cult-like mentality around him. He's uh, incredibly iconoclastic, incredibly intelligent, incredibly fun, and just visually very smart. Uh, the frames are really dense. The use of color is really cool. And again, this this movie just gets crazier and crazier and crazier the more that you go through it. And you, as you learn the mythology, it... A lot of it sort of makes sense on a very elemental level, and you walk away and think about it and go, yeah, but what? Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a director who I think actors love working with, and uh, people love uh, love working with just in general. I think he's got a lot of cool ideas, Uh, and this is definitely a movie where the ideas don't necessarily hang together in the most thorough way, but they're really exciting, at least for me. I think if you go along with it, um, it can be a good time. But it's also, there's a lot of risk of getting left behind by the movie. If you if you get knocked out of yeah. it, because it doesn't do a lot of work to make sure that you stay with it, you know you're either committing to it every and moment or you're me, left behind. It's not just oh you commit it commit to it every moment. It's like it adds things that I feel like do not add value to the movie and just mm-hmm. take like they go through one car that's like basically a butchery. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, where are you keeping the cattle? Right, and it's like they're. I shouldn't at that point be thinking about like where would you have enough space to keep cows it's like and I think if you're going with a movie you're just like whatever there it is Mm -hmm. and it's part of this allegory but then that keeps happening through the rest of the movie and I'm like there is no way this train is working yeah it will test your suspension of disbelief hardcore Um, so yeah it is not a movie that has totally thought out the foundations of its mythology but it still throws a lot of mythology at it a lot of dystopias that's a real hard thing to do absolutely it's like a there tough are a lot clear. of other dystopian series that i've seen that i'm like i don't buy this yeah this is ridiculous so yeah it's not just this movie oh no absolutely it's a tough thing to do but i think that there's also there's a lot of just arresting sequences in this film oh yeah there's a and beautiful uh, images yeah and exciting a, fights yeah there's a an axe fight sequence that is brutal and oh, yeah. beautiful all at once and um but just like stunningly crafted there's yeah. a lot of crafts work in this film that's uh makes and, it yeah, a lot of fun as a director i feel like that goes all to to bong yeah absolutely and so i think like if if this is going to be your cup of tea this is going to be the best cup of tea you've had in a long time i mean it's a bloody, very bloody cup of tea mm, delicious tea um so yeah i mean thematically like we've talked about the major theme is the ways that societal structures are constructed to keep the poor at the bottom and the rich on top um but it also gets into some deeper elements, uh, sort of the danger of revolutions and just tearing apart a social order um, and the cost of maintaining them as well. Um, 
the real true sort of difficulty of sacrifice and selflessness, like what that takes. There's a lot of conversation of what happened at the beginning of the train when people were just packed into these cars and, you know, some people turned to like cannibalism essentially, but then other people were willing to step up and literally amputate their own limbs in order to feed everyone else. So there's a lot of high metaphorical discussion of what sacrifice means. We also find out that Chris Evans, quote, knows what babies taste like, or knows what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. Oh my God. And you know what, guys? He kind of sells it. I feel like that's a situation where in which I think, wow, you had to figure out how to say that line. And mm-hmm. you did. Like, yeah. good for you. They probably did but multiple maybe, takes. Maybe someone should have rewritten that line <laughs> to not make me want to laugh out loud. Yeah. It also ends on a shot that I think is meant to be hopeful and poetic. <laughs> But yeah. also, it just makes me very worried yep, for people at I'm the just, end of the film. Yeah. Um, you'll and know it when you get there. not in a way that's there. like, oh, wow, just will humanity survive? But just kind of like, oh, no. Yeah. Nope, polar bears oh, are man. taking over the world. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it has its moments. But it's definitely, I think, worth watching and worth experiencing yeah. because it's a, it's a thrill ride. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about some thematic crossovers between yeah. these two very disparate pieces yes. of media. Well, I think the um, what you were talking about, the... Um, sacrifice and you know kind of both hiccup putting himself at risk um Mm -hmm. and and physically in a in a big way um yeah and really confronting his own society and how his own society is set up Mm -hmm. vikings versus dragons um and wanting to change the status quo and for how to train your dragon that works out really well like not so much in snowpiercer Snowpiercer doesn't go so hot no so but still that theme of can we change a major social structure yeah i think status quo yeah uh, is a really important part of both films and what it takes for leadership i think nobody in nobody in either film um is a leader uh, just de facto is yeah. looked at like they really and, have to earn and it. And even though Hiccup, I think, always wants to prove himself, um, he still feels a lot of pressure where it's like, you're the son of the chieftain. Mm-hmm. You might have to take over. And, you know, are you really up to it and wanting to take that role on? And then Chris Evans wanting to help the people he he cares about, but also not constantly, yeah, constantly telling himself, you know, others, he's not a real leader. Why are you looking at me? Right. Um, um, yeah, and I yeah. think that there's a lot of, and even the sort of compromise of leadership, the things you have to do, like you learn about what sort yeah. of Gilliam has been doing and what his agendas are. Um, and the idea of, again, nobody makes it out of these status quos like totally golden or totally yeah. fine. And there's a necessity of turnover. Um, I think teamwork is a big part yeah. of it. Oh, I mean, totally. The, you can't yeah. overthrow the status quo on your own. Yeah. And the best parts, the parts of Snowpiercer that go the best for everyone are when they're holding together yeah. and when they're, when they're really working together and yeah. pulling as one. And as like they start, stopping the doors in the beginning. Yeah. And as they start, and those are really exciting. Yeah. Um, and as they start to get more and more disparate and more and more pulled apart, uh, they get much more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, those are, very big themes that cross over a lot I think and again like I mean I don't know that it would qualify as a theme but um, prosthesis and the loss of the body loss parts of, yeah, like the, the bodily cost of yeah. warrior societies and, and of rough life yeah, um, are certainly things the, that pop the up throughout people don't have as much time to create prosthetics but you know yeah you know you, you get it going yeah um, everyone's kind of knows how to use whatever 
limbs yeah. they have left and exactly. compensate. Yeah, and then um, and I think there's mythology. I mean, the, the Snowpiercer train is drip steeped in mythology around Wilford and yeah, around the sacred and, engine and oh, how it yeah. runs versus the dragons that we learn all about yeah. the mundane facts of dragons, but they're also like the truth of this world. Yeah, um, that is true. Yeah, the kind of the world building on both sides, creating yeah. this really compelling um, structure. Yeah, and the sense it's, of a larger yeah, world. Yeah, it's a fun to fun to take part in both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. So, how about physically? How do they cross over? Okay, so I think that you know, this nuclear winter almost mm-hmm. um, was not actually caused by climate change bomb that Chemicals. blocked out the sun um but by the bewilder beast who has these snow powers oh, yeah yeah so the humans just thought he so he basically set the scientists up for a fall or he was just, like i'm gonna frame you guys because no, or you i just owe think me that money. it was not that part is wiped out of oh. the movie so the no. scientists just don't no, even get but blamed. it's just like or maybe they don't even know that there is a wilder beast out there they just see that like snow is happening yeah and so they blame all the scientists and run them off yeah and the scientists are like we've done nothing it's like no guys no i was just i was working on like a new version of pong yeah in 3d no um so yeah so the um the bewilder beast has brought upon Mm -hmm. the the ice powers and the vikings are actually okay because you know they have all these fur pelts and they're they're big and burly and they can (laughs) hunker down for a while and they have their dragons to help keep their society warm. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah, they'd be a little... So this is post-Viking dragon unification? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, because a bewildered beast shows up in the movie, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so that is, I think, where I, where I start... So like the this Vikings process. are hanging out and like every year they just see this, this massive train go by. Whoosh by in the distance and they're like, those people oh, are crazy. Toothless is the only one who can keep up with the train. Oh yeah. So and they so, have to investigate. Yeah, and of course, Hiccup is really curious about what this is because uh-huh, uh-huh. he loves inventing. Yeah. Um. So I think he would, you know, he's like, okay, every year at this time, I'm going to have like this year where I'm going to go speed up with this train yeah, and see what it keep is. Up with yeah. It. And maybe that's what's giving hope to people in the train as well. Is yeah. Every year they see this, this society off uh, in the distance, but yeah. then they start to see this guy show up. Yeah. And they um, wouldn't have seen it until recently because yeah. they were, the people were Vikings were fighting the dragons and didn't team up with them. Exactly. So, so now it's know. like, you know, maybe they're like, well, I thought I saw a light around this time last year. And yeah. then they see it the next year. Absolutely. And now they're, they see, toothless and hiccup right and so, so to add a further wrinkle to things i think to bring it in and then you know this is a little bit of the snowpiercer darkness creeping yeah. into how to train your dragon but not too much so mm-hmm. don't be scared um one of the the big sort of leaps mythologically that snowpiercer takes is how does this train run like yeah. this perpetual motion machine and they talk a lot about the machinery specific to it and they're using kids in it as well but also um it has this essential engine and i would posit that in this reality mm-hmm. um will wilford has figured has out how to power dragon. has caught a dragon yeah. and figured out how to power this train. I like that. So this and is they, have a, to, they have to save the dragon. Yeah, so this is an enslaved dragon pulling this train. Yeah, not um, this is not how to train your dragon. This is how to save your dragon. It's how to train <laughs> your <laughs> dragon. Oh. oh, yes. See, that's one. That's yeah. a real fun. So really the title is How to Train Your Dragon, but train is in all caps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Real. <laughs> <laughs> of this crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll figure out a way to make that be the, the logo for this episode. <laughs> How 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, because I think, you know, Chris Evans, if he saw a dragon flying around, he would want to be on that dragon side. Oh, totally. And so, yeah, there's a moment where they pull up the floorboards of the engine and you see this dragon underneath. Yeah. And that's really I, oh, sad. Oh, that's an old dragon. Oh my God, he's tired. He's it's so like, tired. It's like the space whales. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. So guys, I've watched, there's a Doctor Who episode that involves space whales. And it's should, amazing. Yeah, it's the best. Um, as, but yeah. as someone who loves both space and giant sea creatures. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I had, so my idea for the crossover had been this dragon powered train, but yeah. I think that it's actually these two ideas co- coexist so yeah. well that Wilfred is the only person outside of this Viking society who understands and knows and, dragons. And I feel and like he's he keeping everyone be, in ignorance. Yeah, he would be like the guy from How to Train Your Dragon 2 who's like, capturing dragons to use as an army but instead yeah. Wilford is like I can capture a dragon and create this never ending powered train right and of course this dragon who's been enslaved holds the key to defeating the Bewilderbeast yeah maybe they no, were ancient no the Bewilderbeast is okay oh, oh no I, I Bewilderbeast is nice well then maybe he knows that but yeah. he but you know he's like they were ancient enemies or something and so they were enslaved and so now well the he... Bewilderbeast is giant I don't okay. think he would fit in a train well no but I mean maybe he knew he has a little friend I'm yeah, just well, saying, maybe somehow the, the key bewil- to resolution is freeing this ancient dragon that then uh, fixes the Bewilderbeast problem as well. Yeah, well, maybe this other dragon is he needs to be in balance with the Bewilderbeast. Yeah, beast. exactly. He counteracts it. He's got heat power because fire for trains. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, this is actually a super exciting crossover that I would watch the hell out of. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and like, yeah, we know that everybody with like John Hurt with his, with his prosthetics would be totally at home in the Viking society. Yeah. Um, yeah, they could like set up, oh, they could set up Viking traps along the tracks of how are they trying to stop the train? Yeah. Oh, like, exactly. That's a big set and piece. like, you know, the scenes of riding along with the train and trying to hop people off the train. Yeah. It's like the great train robbery, but with dragons. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, guys. What movie cannot be improved yeah. by dragons? With a little bit of speed thrown in there as yeah. well. Like, this is oh, really, totally. I think this is a, If the train goes below 50 miles an hour. Everybody freezes. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so you guys, how to train your dragon. Train in all caps. Yes. I would watch. I, I like to think that it's not even how to train your dragon and then the train is in all caps, but how to train your dragon subtitle train is in all caps (laughs) that is the full title if someone can please mock up a poster of that I will hang it up on our wall there we go because that would be amazing Amazing. Um, um, so yeah, I so like yeah. this idea. This Me is a too. cool world. This is one of this. This is, I think, my favorite since Persuasion Star Wars. Yeah, just like cohesive world building. Yeah, and like I feel like it for me. It brings so much excitement to a particularly bleak. Yeah, movie. it brings a little more joy. Yeah, and I'm like, I do want these people to be okay. Yeah. And then you know, then they, they get dragons. All, yeah, they get dragons. Everyone is in Viking society, and people who are at the front of the train need to learn how to like do stuff and not just be in drug raves the whole time exactly how to functionally contribute to society but you know know. now they're they're back in real society and the world is going to be okay again and have dragons so everything's great yeah um so yeah so let's move on to some games with this new crossover um how about kiss your faces who's gonna make out um so i feel like astrid and hiccup are like the eternal yeah a a couple. couple yeah um but I feel like uh, Tanya, who's Octavia Spencer, really could use some loving. Yeah. I think, what about uh, a comic relief Viking? Um, what's his name? Uh, Gobber. Uh, Gobber. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he's adorable. Yeah. Um, and she's no nonsense. So yeah. I feel like they would balance each other out pretty well. Because, um, yeah, I think there's um, Hiccup's dad, but... Mm-hmm. The second movie throwing his mom back in, even though they're not really together, throws that kind of into question. It complicates things a Um, bit. But yeah, I think... I feel like she would also, at least from what I know of the second movie, I feel like she and Wilfred would probably get along more. 
the the train founder. Like, I feel like they would. Yeah. Like people who have gone off and like little Machiavellian wild idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they would probably get together. Yeah. We can, we can best buddies them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's like a second marriage for her though. You know what I mean? Well, that's true. After he's taken off the train. Yeah. You know, um, I think that they would, they would get along more than just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Octavia, I think Tanya and Gobber would be a fun fit. Yeah, I feel like um, she would be someone who, you know, once they're back in Viking society, mm-hmm. she would be a real leader in Viking society. Yeah. Like she is smart and capable. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he in the same way, um, supports Stoic the Vast, uh-huh. would support her. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that would work out very, very well. Um, yeah. Oh, and then her kid can learn how to... Tr- ride a dragon from like hiccup oh that'd be so much fun yeah timmy i think his name is yes um because of course it is yeah right um yeah i think yona who's the daughter in snowpiercer like she there's i just saw we were saw today in the that there's an uncredited viking played by david tennant and i think they would be great oh yeah david tennant yeah right let's hook him up yeah and yona's Um, delightful she's she's one of the most just genuinely lovable characters in the whole yeah, film of Snowpiercer. I want to give her a dragon. Oh, yeah. She totally I, gets a dragon. Oh, totally. We'll, we'll save the dragon assignments for best I buddies. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like I just want to skip over Kiss Your Faces for this episode. Yeah, there's not a lot of sexuality in either of these. Yeah, so, which is so, yeah. fine. So how about uh, Battle Dome? There's a lot of battling to be done. Yes. Um, so I feel like, um, I mean, I really feel like Hiccup would take on Wilfred. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that even though... You know, we said we just said, oh, maybe Velka and Wilfred would be in Kiss Your Faces, but you know, I don't. I think, I think he wouldn't be able to ignore that. No, yeah, it's like this guy is selfish and he is actively hurting mm. at least a third of the people on his train. Yeah, and I do think uh, Namgung yeah. Minsu, who's the inventor uh, in Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. and Hiccup might fight a little bit because they're both inventors. They're both oh, a little crafty. but I think crafty. that's best buddies. Yeah, that's true. But I think they would they would be in the fighting to become buddies kind of. Yeah, thing. I think there'd the be a lot of health, special. Yeah, there'd be a lot of healthy competition yeah. between the two of them yeah um yeah i think uh so we need somebody to fight uh the elder um franco the elder the henchman in snowpiercer he's just got to get eaten by one of the dragons oh yeah i guess toothless sure no but i i don't know maybe um maybe he would get eaten by the bewildered beast oh yeah yeah that seems like a fitting end yeah for and then he's dead for sure yeah he, he does There's not die no very reason easily. for him to be alive in most of that movie yeah he's way too durable yeah um, um, but especially if it's like the Billy Bird like freezes him up, yeah, and then it like shatters. It's real satisfying. Yeah, maybe like he freezes him up and then the knife guy shatters him or something. Yeah, like, yeah, it's teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tilda Swinton, um, the minister. Oh, yeah, I mean she and Astrid could go at it. Yeah, uh, I feel like she and Valka might go at it too. Yeah, that's and, true. Like, For Valka, Wilfred's love. Well, that too, but I think Valka like she's someone who it also really isn't a sacrifice like Mm -hmm. she left her family behind basically to to care for these dragons yeah um so but like so she understands being very devoted to a cause but i think her cause and mason's cause is like go head to head yeah um so so. i think that there they would both be powered by a righteous sense of anger Mm -hmm. and duty but in the battle dome yeah i think and i think um allison pill could give stoic the vast a run for his money Really? I mean, no, she's, he's a, she's pretty fighty. Yeah, but he's like a, the lead Viking. I, I think she could give like Jonah Hill a run for his money. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, they, they would probably fight yeah. as well. And they're in a classroom as well together or yeah. something too. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> um, how about best buddies? Let's let's assign some yeah. dragons. Um, 
So I, I mean, I think Yona, I just want to give her a dragon. Yeah. Like, I think, I think if there could be another Night Fury, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. then she, I think she, she is like a Night Fury kind of person. Absolutely. She's sneaky. She's, she's quiet, but yeah, she's, she's competent. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's absolutely. smart and motivated and yeah, I can yeah. see her like zooming around on this dragon. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, um, Chris Evans would, would have whatever the like just sort of normal kind of dragon is like your classic, like here's a dragon, yeah. dragon, standard issue. <laughs> normal dragon. <laughs> yeah. Baby eating dragon. It's, it's a dragon. Um, <laughs> Um, and I think um, maybe I, I feel like I keep going back to Yona, but I think she and Astrid would be best buddies. Yes, they would get along um, very Tough well. ladies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think Timmy, like in that same way, it would be friends with Hiccup in that like Hiccup would yeah. be like, okay, we're going to train you how to ride a dragon. Right. He'd be and part like, of the gang. Yeah. So it's like older brother kind of friendship. But uh-huh. Yeah. They would. It would be a yeah. mentorship. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I like that. Um, this is a very exciting crossover that yeah. I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, this worked out um, real well. Yeah. Hooray for How to Train Your Snowpiercer. Yeah. Um, so in case you have watched How to Train Your Dragon, the train is in all caps, uh, and want some more of both of these kinds of properties, any, what kind of reader's advisories can we give people? I have a whole lot of YA recommendations It's true, for folks. I'm looking advisory. at the notes. It is so good. Um, so my number one recommendation is the story of Owen, Dragon Slayer of Trondheim by mm-hmm. E.K. Johnston. Um, the dragons are not friendly in this uh, book, but it's also about family and friends and differences and so many feels like a really... To feel storm. It's a big feel storm and funny and like set in slightly alternate universe Canada in which dragons are a problem. <laughs> so so normal Canada. So normal Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Other recommendations include uh, The Song of the Lioness series by Tamara Pierce, um, a.k.a. the Alana books. Alana's kind of like the hiccup of the the knight training world. Mm-hmm. Um, she is dressing as a boy t- so that she can become a knight Ooh. secretly. Um, sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Um, Serafina by Rachel Hartman, which is a, kind of a beautifully written world in which dragons are human and humans are like barely coexisting peacefully. And one young woman is at the center of like a royal murder plot. Ooh. Um, the Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater. If you want to read about riding something that could eat you. <laughs> this is this is right totally, up your alley. Yeah, right? You're Horse like, well, dragon. I don't really feel like I need any more dragon books, but I really want like a, a mythical creature that I'm going to ride that could also make me lunch. That could devour yeah, me. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, Blackbringer by Lonnie Taylor. Um, it's like super fun fantasy adventures with fairies and demons and gin and crows. Um Midnight Thief by Olivia Blackburn. Um, there are no dragons, but there is a war between humans and giant magical wildcats. Hell yeah. So cool. The dragons of the jungle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then for movies, um, we recently talked about Spirited Away, um, which is wonderful if you want to go back to that episode in case you missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a character called Haku, who is the dragon you'd most want to be your boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So you can train him for to go love. to prom with you. Yeah. Aww. In a tux. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those are those are several excellent YA yeah. fantasy recommendations. You, you and got options, also folks. a great Miyazaki film. Yeah. You got options, everybody. You got good options. Yeah. Um for Snowpiercer, I think uh Director Bong is a really fantastic visual stylist and storyteller, and he does crazy different movies. So I think both the host and mother would be worth checking out. Um really anything by him though, I think is gonna be exciting. And seriously, reading interviews with him or about him with actors who've worked with him is fascinating because it's kind of like a cult they're all in love with him um for 
for this kind of sci-fi dystopian styling, I think it doesn't get much more uh, similar than Blade Runner or Brazil. Uh, I think Gilliam, the character that John Hurt plays in Snowpiercer, is probably not accidentally named Gilliam. I think uh, it's most likely a reference to Brazil, mm-hmm. which is like your classic fever dream of a nightmare society uh it's a brilliant film it also is pretty bleak but with a little bit more straight up slapstick kind of humor as well um but uh and blade runner is just the classic like five minutes into the future look at a world that has been ecologically devastated and has a lot of sort of mythological rules built up around it um if you want a lot of the sci-fi dystopia or sci-fi future craziness without quite as much of the darkness uh i really like the fifth element it's a totally dumb movie you guys but it is directed by by Luc Besson, uh, it is really just crazy pants, balls to the wall, exciting visual stylings, and sort of insane imaginings. It's a really just kind of fun romp of a movie um, with a lot of charming stupidity lying underneath it, which I would totally recommend. While we're on things that I have that have fifth in the title, um, I will again recommend The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. It's part of the Broken Earth series. I'm super excited because I have the second book on my Kindle right now. Um, but yeah, it's another look at uh, specifically the societal structures and the repression of um, a really regimented society and how to sort and, of break out of that. ecological dangers. Yeah, ecological disaster. Um, it's a world where there are earthquakes happening all the time and some people can control them but that is a legitimate source of fear for everybody else Mm -hmm. in the world because, hey, that's no good. Um, There is, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but quite a bit of dystopian literature out there uh, and and media in the last 10 years especially, so things like The Hunger Games and Firefly and Serenity um, and I guess uh, Divergent. Mm -hmm. I think that's another one where I was like, this actually does not make sense. Right. Whereas I feel like The Hunger Games makes more sense in terms of how its society is set up. Yeah. Like you have different it feels a little more places giving you their natural resources. Yeah. So, so you know, I think it's a it's a rich genre that you can dip your toes into. Um, and then while we're on the subject of films directed by Korean directors that feature long extended fights with implements usually used for construction uh we've got old boy which has a really riveting and amazing and horrifying hammer fight scene um also just a lot of riveting amazing horrifying stuff in it outside of that too um it's a really really great film it's directed by park john wook uh and just go check it out if you ever want a crazy violent day um so yeah i think that uh we've got some very good titles on the list yeah for when people are done watching dragons drive trains yeah aww. Oh, <laughs> Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> little, little fire poofs. Oh, yeah. It's coming right out of the chimney. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Annie, if people want to find more Crossover Repeal content, where can they go? They can find our uh, Tumblr on crossoverrepealpodcast.tumblr.com. That's also where the show posts go yeah, up each week. Yeah, all the week. show notes, uh, posts are there, and you can find all the links to all of the stuff we mentioned in Reader's Advisory. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll figure out a way to make How to Train Here Dragon the, the, tra- the train is an old cast <laughs> no poster. Caps. Just somebody please throw that together. Yeah, right? That would be really awesome. <laughs> um, when you do make that, you can also send it to us at our email address, which is crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. And you can share it at our Facebook page at Crossover Appeal Podcast. Or you can just tweet at us at Crossover Appeal. 
Um, most importantly, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, it's a super yeah, great way for really us to appreciate all of uh, the ratings and reviews so far. Yeah, absolutely. You will get a special shout out if you leave a review. It's true because we love you that much. Um, and yeah, tell us about dragons riding trains. Why not? Yeah. Um, where, yeah. where your dragons would be on this train, Yeah, how you would get your Vikings onto the train or help people escape from the train. Exactly. These are all things that are rich for reviews. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we can't thank everybody enough for tweeting about the show, putting on fa- posting on Facebook about it, just getting the word out because yeah. we love reaching yeah. more and more yeah, people. Yeah, we love talking about nerdy things and we're glad yeah. to talk about nerdy things with you. Absolutely. Even from Pittsburgh in a room where a maid once died. Um, a dragon maid. Oh my God, that poor woman, dragon lady. <laughs> She's the dragon lung. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, Well, everybody, uh, until next time, I think we're going to close out for the day. Uh, This has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly.